Hi, this is Wilson from Renew Church OC. Thanks for joining our podcast. After the pandemic, it's been easy to do Chipotle Church, where we get to choose how much church we want every week. Maybe I'll stay home this Sunday. I feel like opening my Bible today, but not tomorrow. I'll go to small group and not Sundays. Our City Monk series challenges this construct of church and pushes us to reorder our life around Jesus and the Sabbath. It's a call to live in contrast to a city that is busy and burnt out. Instead, we live unhurried lives, wrapping our daily and weekly schedule around being with Jesus. I hope you get a chance to check out our church on Sunday in Fullerton, California at 10 a.m. I hope you enjoy the series. Check, check. Amen. Thank you so much. Thanks, everyone. You can have a seat. My name is Wilson. I get to pastor this church. And uh, I just had my 40th birthday yesterday. And um, this is how much fun I had. I had this much fun. So I'm really grateful to, um, to not share too much today, but to allow us to experience uh, a lot of what we're talking about. So we've been in a City Monk series. And um, the first part of the City Monk is, is reordering our life as monks around Jesus, around spending time with him. And I love that we got to do a retreat last weekend with about 80 of our uh, college and young adults. And we had no main speaker. But every session, we spent about two hours looking inward in prayer, in silence and solitude, and, and having little touch points of sharing what God is saying to us. And it was amazing to have 80 people for six hours in three blocks contemplate, pray, and be with the Lord. I thought that like 10 people would come up to me and say, I hate you. This is the most boring thing I've ever done. Can I get a refund? But whether they were strong Christians or some of them were, are still exploring the Christian faith, it was the space where God spoke to each one of them. And I, I loved how we spent time at the fire just recounting all of God's words, hearing testimony after testimony. And it was the first time where I went like back to back. And then the college kids went to the, went to the cabin, did another like hour and a half. So we hope that that wouldn't be a once a year experience, but that as monks, we would reorder our life around hearing God's voice. So we have um, the Psalms devotional. At the end of our time together, we asked for a monk pledge, you know, a time, a space where we would listen to the Lord and be in his word. And, and again, if, if you weren't able to keep that over the last week, we, we committed to restart every day. And so I want to encourage us again to be in devotion, the devotionals of Psalms as a community. It's on our link tree. And it's a great way for us to come together, read God's word, and hear each other's thoughts. And also, May 14th, we're doing a half-day silent retreat so that we can kind of relive the extended time of listening to the Lord at the Fullerton Arboretum, and want to encourage you to do that as well. The second part of our sermon series is the monastery, thinking about not only individual rhythms, but community rhythms, what it's like to come together and Sabbath together and hear God's word together and worship together. And, and one of the ways that we talked about that at retreat was like, you know, it's easy to think of our church as life stage ministries, for the young adults to look down and be like, oh, you college kids are too young. Or the college kids to look up and be like, oh, you young adults like, don't understand what I'm going through. Um, but I hope that we don't think of this church the way we think of like, trying to make a friend 
um, our, our common interests or our economic status. We don't think about this church like networking in a business, but we would think of it as family. That we would look at people older and see uncles and aunties and older brothers and sisters. We would look at kids that are younger and see our nephews and nieces or younger brothers and sisters. And so a part of that is um, I'm really excited that Sarah Eggert has pulled a team together to start a women's ministry. And I, and I believe this week they're going to do a boba night. And it's all the sisters coming together regardless of life stage and being able to share in that familyness together and dream about what that looks like as we move, move forward. So we'd love for you guys to do that with us this week. And the third part of our City Monk series is the city. And that's what we're starting, that's what we started yesterday, Pastor Day preaching. And that's what we're doing for the next two weeks. And um, we think about being city monks uh, in three ways in terms of reaching the city. The first is reaching the marginalized in the city. That's what we are hoping to think about today and experience today. The second way is to think about um, reaching the city through our occupations. And we're going to do a similar setup next week where we go into stations um, that, that represent our occupation and think about how that's expanding God's kingdom, how to see God through the way we work. And the third way is reaching an unreached city, looking around the world and thinking about where God's calling us and how we can leverage who we are as a community to reach a place that's unreached. And when we think about 2020 and 21, we just think about how far we've retreated inward, how much we've isolated, how we sheltered in place because of COVID. By the way, I took a COVID test and I tested negative. Uh, it's really because I partied super hard. And, um, and, um, and, and even stepping into this space after that year has felt awkward. But I'm so grateful to see the strength of our church, the depth, and the way that God's like even expanding our family. But now I want us to look beyond ourselves. And it's been a while since we've been able to look outward, since we've been able to see some clearing in the fog. And over the next three weeks, I hope that it would help start setting vision and giving us perspective for life outside of ourselves, our family, and our church community. And so when I think about um, looking outward, I think about the Pharisees and Jesus and how they had two very different views of what it meant to be holy. Both the Pharisees and Jesus claimed to be holy, but the Pharisees did it by retreating. The Pharisees did it by seeing a woman on the road and closing their eyes so that they wouldn't lust. The Pharisees wouldn't, wouldn't help the man on the side of the road who was beaten up because they didn't want to become unclean. The Pharisees would shun tax collectors and prostitutes. And then there's Jesus' way of being holy, where he touched the unclean and made them clean, where he walked three miles out to the seminary to deliver someone of demons, where he sat by the woman of the, at the well and, and, and had intimate conversation with her, where another prostitute uh, wiped his feet with her tears and her hair. You see, one version of holiness is about pulling away moving apart, and then there's Jesus' holiness that steps in and heals and is light. And when I think about the passage of the sheep and the goat, isn't that the difference? The goats are the Pharisees, and the, and the sheep are the ones who walks towards people who are hurting. 
who walks towards the least of these and loves them. We have an amazing opportunity this Sunday not only to hear and to think and to empathize with people who are hurting, but to have them be tangible because of the amazing partnership we have with OC United and crew. But I think we live in a society where we feel like emoting is enough. I think we live in a society where we feel like if we understand something and we feel it, we're actually making a difference. If we post about it, that that's somehow causing change. But I love how we thought about Ukraine. You know, the border shut down. We're not able to host any refugees. But our church put that call out to say, would any of our families and young adults open up a home, their home, um, a, a room to host refugees that are stopping here to get to resettlement? And about five families said they would. A, a young adult group planned two trips down to San Diego. And a lot of our small groups talked about how we can tangibly serve them but we're not able to because the border shut down. And yet I think God did significant work in even asking the question and expanding our hearts and, and having us stand at the cusp of saying, do we care or will we sacrifice? Will we talk about it or will we do something? And I hope that um, this space would be that. I could tell you a sermon about how we how God has called us and commissioned us to reach the, the city. Or we can stand in front of people who are doing it and ask whether we're willing to participate um, and learn about it and see how God grows and expands our heart beyond information. And so we're going to spend the majority of our time in two stations, 10 minutes each, and we have all these different categories. And I've asked, again, OC United to share the demographic, to share a story, um, to invite us in. And would you think about this for yourself and for your small group and ministry as well? My hope is that every small group would be a mission team. Every member would be a missionary as we think about the city. So it's not tabling. You're not going from one to another. You're spending 10 minutes in one. You could drag your chair over. I'll give you guys like a two-minute warning, and then you'll go to another booth for 10 minutes and, and listen in again at the different opportunities. My personal favorite is uh, Royal Family Kids Camp. I've done that for two years. If you don't know where to go, go there. All right. <clears throat> so I'm going to introduce each booth. And as I do that, I just want you to pick one in your mind, okay? Because I don't want us to wander the room for 15 minutes and go home. I don't want that. Do you guys understand? So pick one as I introduce the different booths and then walk straight to it. I know that's really hard for you, Gen Zs, to commit to something. You want to wander for a year and not commit to anything. So this is going to be tough. All right, here we go. So the first one is foster and support families. So this is to support foster families who have foster uh, kids in the foster system. And we're going to come around them to, to support them with meals and care, taking the kids out. All right. The second one is mentoring at-risk youth. Again, in the city, there's... Fullerton is extremely diverse, especially when it comes to social economics. So um, we want to help and, and, and be served by uh, mentoring at-risk youth. So that, that station. The third station in the back with the huge banner is homelessness. And so if you've had uh, thoughts about serving people who are homeless, if you've seen people you don't know what to do, that's a great station to go to. The one over there outside is Crew. Crew's a very long ministry we've been a part of 
Jerome, I was thinking of getting you to represent InterVarsity, but I'm sorry, next time. We love InterVarsity as well. I met your president, by the way, and got to talk to him. All right, and then he knows you. Um, the last one over here is Royal Family Kids Camp. Why are they in the back? We should have them like behind the, can you switch the signs? Yes, no, I'm just kidding. Okay, so one more time. Think in your mind where you're gonna go. Then pull your chair there, okay? Foster uh, support families. Option one. Door two, mentoring at-risk youth. Homelessness in the back, okay? Make a mental roadmap of how you're gonna get there. Don't talk to any of your friends. Crew outside. And then um, Royal Family Kids Camp, which is a camp serving kids in the foster system and being able to love them and have your life changed by them for a whole week, okay? Are you guys ready? You know where you're going? Okay, don't talk to your friends. Bring a chair. You have 10 minutes. Ready, set, go. 10 minutes for the booth, not to get to the station. You got 10 seconds to get your tears. All right, presenters, whenever you're ready, go ahead and get started. Well, good morning. I don't think I'm really on this. I think this is for our live streaming people. Okay, so if you're on live streaming and you're listening to me, my name is Amy, even though you can't see me, I don't think so. <laughs> um, okay, well, I'm gonna talk to you guys today a little bit about the realities of homelessness right here in North Orange County, okay? Um, it's, it's pretty complicated. Um, I would love to know if there's anything that you guys want me to cover in particular. Like, is there, do you, is there anything in particular that you would like to know that I can answer while I present? Like, do you want types, uh, numbers, uh, causes, or you just want me to talk? <laughs> numbers and causes. Okay, sounds great. Um, so, so, what comes to mind when you hear homeless? Good. So, when I say the word homeless. What do you see in your mind? LA, okay. What else? Come on, we don't want to just hear me talk. Okay. Heads? Tents? Yeah, what else? Okay, the Santa Ana Riverbed? Freeway exits, okay. Yeah, so when we hear the word homeless, we tend to think about the people that we see on the street, okay? That would be the shopping carts, that would be the freeway exits, that would be the tents in the river beds or under freeway overpasses. But, but that's actually a small percentage of the people actually experiencing homelessness. So there's a whole number of people experiencing homelessness that we don't see, okay? Um, so the first thing I would just love to, to, to highlight first is the importance of labels. So when we say somebody's, um, when we say, hey, there's a homeless person or there's somebody who's homeless, right, that's a label that we've assigned to them. So one of the first things that we can do to help in this issue is to phrase it as that's a person experiencing homelessness. 
just that makes a big difference because we're telling our brains it's a person first, okay? And that works in all settings. That works in a, a child who's in the foster care system as opposed to a foster kid, right? And so, so when we think about homeless, I want you guys to realize, A, it's person first, and then secondly, there's a whole bunch that, that are experiencing homelessness that aren't the ones that we think about. There's a large number of people in Orange County that are living in motels, okay? They are considered homeless as well. I have here a slide you can come up afterwards to look at. It's the point in time count. So Orange County every year does a point in time count to count how many people are experiencing homelessness. Um, at the point in time count in January, there were 2,441 people who were living in shelters, some form of shelter, that are homeless. So that's like 2,500 people that are homeless that we don't see, right? And so, and so there's that group, and then there's a whole group that we work with in our community that are, I call them like one step away from being homeless. Their entire family is renting a room. They're sleeping on somebody's couch, okay? There's also a large number that are sleeping in their cars. Those also count as homeless. And those would be, um, those would be individuals that we don't necessarily um, think about when it comes to mind, okay? I think my goal for this morning is if, if you want to volunteer to work with homeless, I would love to talk to you later. Part of, I think, this conversation is about how we view people that are experiencing homelessness. So I'm going to just tell a quick story of uh, what happened to us two weeks ago. We run a community in the Valencia, uh, community center in the Valencia Park neighborhood. There was a, an older gentleman that's living in his car in the parking lot of the community center. So as we got to know him, his name is Chris, comes to find out he had a full, what we would call, normal life. Full-time work, wife, kid, home, right? And then his kid died. And he lost it. And he started self-medicating. And then he started doing more drugs and harder drugs. Then his uh, marriage fell apart. And then he ended up losing his home because of his drug addiction. So he moved in and he was living in his car. And he had been living in his car for years, trying to survive with, um, with his new reality. And so all of a sudden, so we get to know Chris. He was great. He was like our security guard. He would like keep our staff feeling safe. Um, we loved him. And um, so all of a sudden we noticed, um, uh, it was like four weeks ago now, that he, Chris was gone. And his car was gone. And so, so about 10 days later, we found out that his car had broken down on his way home from work. It had gotten towed to a car repair shop. And he had no money to pay for his car repair. So what did Chris just lose? Not only did he lose his car, but he lost what? His home, right? And then how do you keep your job when you don't have a car? Right? So when we finally heard this, we said, great, we'll pay for your car to get fixed. And we realized we were running against the clock. But look, in those 10 days, 
he started using again. Okay, because he was no longer in the safety of the community of his car, right? So we meet with him. We said, great, we need to get you into the shelter. We'll get your car fixed. But in the meantime, it is not safe for you to be on the streets. You need people around you. So we'll get you into a shelter. So we contact the homeless liaison officer. Um, I'll talk about shelters just really quickly. Um, we contact the um, homeless liaison officer to get them into a shelter. Well, they need proof of residency in North Orange County. Okay, so all we had was that he went to high school at Fullerton High School. Okay, but this was a Friday. So we decided on Monday, we'll go with you to help you get your paperwork so that we can prove that you lived in North Orange County. Over the weekend, he uh, overdosed and died. Now for us, that feels extraordinarily preventable, okay? That same day, literally the same day, we hear that uh, Chris had overdosed, um, a kid walks into our office so we, we start talking to him. Turns out he's been homeless for three months, okay? We invite him to sit down, get him water, granola bar. Hey, you can hang out here as long as you want, right? He's hanging out. The first thing he does is fall asleep. Because when you are homeless and living on the streets, you cannot sleep at night. You are not safe. You will be assaulted. You will be stolen from. And so you have to stay awake when you're homeless on the streets. So he sleeps for several hours. Then we bring him lunch, you know, whatever. Just We're just doing our usual thing. Um, so he starts to tell his story. Well, he was from Ohio. 18 years old, regular life, lived with his mom in a not great part of Ohio. His mom was very sick. And she knew that his job that he had as an 18-year-old was not living in that neighborhood was not going to be a good option for him so she told him when i die go to california you'll be able to make a life there this kid 18 years old his mom just dies gets on a bus and comes to orange county it's unfathomable And so he starts living under the pier at Huntington Beach. You know what he told us? He's like, no one talks to me. No one's helping me. So while living homeless under the pier, he starts using. Okay? So he comes into our office. We're like reeling from Chris's relapse and overdose. And so we're able to get him into a, a halfway house um, in... It, right in Fullerton. So the, the, the point of what I want you to walk away from is that people who are experiencing homelessness are people. And they need to be seen by us. Chris's sister hadn't talked to him in months. She drove by looking for him and saw a little memorial that we had put in his honor. So she calls me. She's like, did you have anything? She explains her story. And I said, oh, yeah, we loved Chris. So I talked. And do you know what she told me? She said, I'm just so glad to know that somebody noticed him. 
okay? So, homelessness is complicated. There's addiction. Addiction does terrible things to your brain. There's trauma, right? There's, when you're living on the streets, you have freedom. When you go into a shelter, you're told what you can and can't do. There's lots of complicating things. But what I want you to walk away from today is those who are experiencing homelessness are people. And people need us to notice them. Okay? And so be kind. Five notice minute people. warning. Five minute warning. If you, if you want to volunteer, let me talk a little bit about what we do and about the situation. So there was a lawsuit about five years ago in Orange County. Um, and the lawsuit was made against the cities saying that you need to provide adequate shelters for our problem of people experiencing homelessness. So as a result of this legislation, each city is sent a number that of A, shelter beds that they need to pay for, and B, low-income housing that they need to provide. So if a city does not meet these, so all our cities now in Orange County are under this gun of providing shelters and providing low-income housing. If you don't, then your city is fined and it's a big deal. So this is just so you know the undercurrent of this. So in the last um, three years, we have like five new shelters in North Orange County, okay? So we've got the Fullerton Navigation Center, the Placentia Navigation Center, we have uh, the one in Buena Park, we've got two in Anaheim, okay? So now there's all these shelters. There's, they range between, they're like 100, 150 bed shelters. Um, so what we do as an organization is we provide job training and development at the shelter site. So it's an eight week class, it's twice a week. What we need is volunteers, we call them champions, to be paired up with a person living in the shelter um, uh, while they try to look for a job and start their job. And then we ask that you continue in mentorship with them. So that's one very tangible thing. Here's what I've learned about homelessness. There's all this, you'll hear, there's housing first models, right? So now, now there's this big trend to just, just giving people vouchers and putting them into homes. Well, let me tell you what, we're seeing our people fail. Because when you are on the street, you tend to find some community to keep safe. When you're in a shelter, you're literally in a bunk bed with like a hundred other people. Then you're moved into a home, an apartment, by yourself with a caseworker that's there to help you that may or may not be present. It's certainly not a, someone to call when you're having a hard day or need to figure something out. And so what we're seeing is even our, our people that are secured housing, there's no support system, there's no relationship around them. And that's really where we're wanting to pivot as an organization to start really coming alongside people once they get their housing to provide that structure and that support, right? So that they're not alone. Some of them don't even wanna sleep in a bed because it's been so long since they've been sleeping on the ground. So those are issues that, um, that complicate this. The other thing, if you have addiction or mental health issues, which both occur when you're on the streets for any point in time, then making that transition is really hard to do on your own.
So my take, my, what I would love the takeaway for you guys to be, notice people around you. Talk to them. Okay? I'm not encouraging you to put yourself in an unsafe situation, but just know that, that people are people. Notice people. And then if you want to sign up to volunteer to make a difference, I don't want to sugarcoat this at all. It is really hard work. Just like with our former foster youth, which by the way, 65% when they turn 18 leave with nowhere to go. So if you want to know a large part of our homeless number, what's frustrating for me is there's a perception against people who are experiencing homelessness with judgment, like pull yourself up by your bootstraps, go get a job, there's help for you if you one wanted warning, to take one it, minute warning. right? But then with my aged out foster, with my foster kids, people, especially in the church, are genuinely very compassionate. But what I challenge you to recognize is the 17-year-old that's been in foster care for the last nine years that, that is very easy for us to conjure up sympathy for turns 18 and doesn't have anywhere to go and becomes that homeless person on the street that suddenly we have a lot of perceptions on. And so, so really what I would love to challenge you is, is the need for Jesus, the need for relationship, the need for dignity. Homeless people say, nobody looks me in the eye. Nobody asks my name. Like, it's amazing. It's amazing. You can ask people, what's your story? Tell me about you. They want to tell their story. And that is one of the ways that we can help start to change the narrative towards people who are experiencing homelessness. I used to say this about foster care. The government at its best is not what kids in the system need. They need people like you and I that recognize their dignity and value because of who they are in Christ and go and interact with them. And the same is true for those who are experiencing homelessness. Look, the government is best, and we'll take all the resources they give us. It's not enough. The home is not enough. The job is not enough, right? The being clean and sober for three months on your own isn't enough. You need people around you. We were wired for relationship and community. And so I invite you, in whatever context you're in, to be present for those around you and to notice them and to talk to them. So any uh, questions I can answer? That's kind of like a all over the place. What? So there's lots of ways you can get involved. Um, because of COVID, actually, we're now doing our job training on over Zoom. So it's actually freed us up to be at multiple um, shelters at the same time. Uh, we do ask that All our right, everyone, that's go it. to a shelter. If you to could go ahead and make your way back, turn your chairs um, around. It doesn't have to be perfect. And so we'll just talk. There's different class love to times and different days. And so up, we can just we'll work with your schedule. Well. Or we could take help. Um, just we're going to have a walk-in center and so we will need help with people just walking in and sitting with them and referring them to places um, 
So that, that would be that. So come and see me afterwards if you have any other questions. Thank you so much for listening. And Lord bless you. Okay. It was everything I wanted on my birthday. <laughs>All right, everyone, um, really grateful for the OC United folks, uh, the staff here. They are volunteering their time. They, this is not 9 to 5, Monday through Friday, so we're so grateful for them. And, um, again, they'll be, they'll be staying around after service. So uh, if there was something you heard that you wanted to be deeper involved with, these are the people who run those programs. Please connect with them. And um, if there's a booth that you didn't really get to visit you wish you had a third session, please go do that. And um, yeah, again, they'll be here after service. So go ahead and take a seat. Um, bring the chairs in. Again, don't worry about it lining up. We don't care about that. And then I'll have the worship team come up. And um, yeah. Hi, this is Pastor Wilson again. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If our sermons have been a blessing to you, I'd love for you to consider supporting our church and ministry. As we approach the end of the year, we're asking our church family to consider investing into a special fund that support our interns and seminarians. Renew has a vision of investing in pastors for the next generation through our internship program. And your financial partnership can help set up a young pastor or missionary to faithfully serve the Lord for the next 30 to 40 years. I often dream about what Erwin or Kevin will do for the kingdom of God through their 30s, 40s, and 60s. Our goal is to raise $50,000 over the season. Would you consider joining us? You can give through PayPal or Venmo or by sending a check. All the information is on the description section of the podcast or you can visit our website, and your investment is tax deductible. Thank you so much for being a part of our church family. If you're ever in the Fullerton, California area, please drop by into our Sunday service. I'd love to meet you. God bless.